What's up? The Rosillo Podcast, Monday, here in Bristol. Still here in Bristol. Leaving for LA for tomorrow, and then we've got some, some mountain time scheduled. Uh, not Wyoming, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm still laughing at the joke, but others aren't. Some are, some aren't. Anyway, uh, what do I got here? We got Woj checking in. We're waiting on Woj here, so it could be a quick derailment from what we're doing. Uh, he kind of, I kind of last minute him after last week. We didn't have the schedules aligned because he was super busy because the whole trade deadline thing. Uh, so when he, when he's ready to go, we'll be ready to go. I was at the Celtics Cavs disaster. If you're a Celtics fan and it looked great if you're a Cavs fan and the Pierce celebration, his number retired. So I was able to uh, bring my dad and my brother to that. That was pretty cool. Um, I guess there's a million different things I could do. I feel like I can recap some of the trade stuff and we'll wait to do that all with Woj. And the fact is I've already done it, but I haven't done it on this podcast. And that's really what's important because we hope you continue to subscribe, rate, review the whole deal. Um, because uh, the podcast is still doing really well. But it was cool. Last week I got to go on with Simmons while I was in my sweatpants during the trade deadline. I think it's the first trade deadline afternoon that I haven't worked in like 15 years. So he shot me a note. and was like, do you want to come on and, and do this thing? And next thing we know, we had all these things we wanted to do. We went an hour and a half. And then I ended up going on with PFT and Big Cat, which was incredible honor to be able to do both of those podcasts in the same day. So what's up now? Stay humble. Yeah. Stay <laughs> <laughs> I all right. I think I think I want to start with the Cavs game. Like if I were doing a show today, and I was paying attention, you know, I was I watched some of Levitard show today, and I was listening to Will on the drive in, and that was that's what that's what you led with, right, Sarudi? Yeah, I mean, it's really the only interesting thing going on right now. It is, and you know, if I had done a pod Thursday or Friday, and didn't work out that way. We're gonna have Woj chiming in here in a bit. Uh, I was going to do it with Griff, but Griff ended up getting on a plane. So David Griffin, former Cavs general manager, someone I've talked with in the past. And so leading up to it, and this is kind of weird if we had some sort of sound effect for it, but when I was talking about what I would do if I were running the Cavs, I would like I would try to move all these different pieces around, and I didn't even care if I got worse, and I think they got better. I like what they did. If you're a counter-argument, if you are my co-host, man, woman, downloading this podcast right now, listening wherever you're listening, and you were my co-host and said, well, Ryan, you like what they did, fine, but who did they bring in that convinces LeBron to stay in Cleveland? I would say no one, you win the argument. If those are the rules we're playing with, then I bend the knee, okay? I'm watching Game of Thrones again, by the way. Because the Game of Thrones reference work everywhere. Everybody's trying to find a way to do it. Oprah. If you said to me after the Cavs trades... Well, does that make them better than the Warriors? I'm so sick of that counter-argument to anything, not only the Cavs, but anything anybody else does in the NBA. If those are the rules of the conversation, because it's not even a debate, I lose. If you go, well, does George Hill, what is it? Are they going to beat the Warriors? Like, who keeps doing this? The answer's always no, or I should say, likely no. A strong no. But that's not what I'm doing. I can like what the Cavs did because, one, I do. Two, it's exactly what I think they should have done. Three, you had to get Isaiah and Jay Crowder out of there and all the other guys. We'll get to that here in a second. You can like those things. I like them. You like them. Embrace it. Be pumped if you're a Cavs saying that Kobe Altman did this. But to then change the target that there was some trade out there that existed, that presented itself to the Cavs front office that was going to make either of those other questions challengeable, meaning LeBron, oh yeah, no way. 
No way, Larry Nance Jr., I'm in three-year extension. No. Oh, my God, Jordan Clarkson off the bench? Play a little point. Length, younger. Don't love the contract. But, yeah, man, we're going to beat the Warriors in six. No one in the league, no one. Stop doing it, talk show guys. Stop doing this thing where every move, the immediate question we ask is, can they beat the Warriors? Because if that's what we're doing, then no one should do anything. GM should fire their entire staff. GM should give their money back. Now, Daryl Morey may have put something together there, okay? And the Thunder, depending on the week, it's funny because we have like exciting Thunder week, and then we'll have disappointing Thunder week. I don't think the Thunder are beating the Warriors at all. Like, no way, okay? The Houston thing, I know, Saruti, you're kind of flirting with it a little bit. You're feeling dangerous. You're feeling dangerous about what the Rockets might be capable of. Two out of three. Two out of three. And that last one, they both were trying. They were. The first one was weird. The second one, they were both missing guys. So, yeah, you're right. Rockets, two out of three. I'm still not ready for that yet because I think emotionally, the mountain, the Bob Myers, Mount Everest analogy is the best analogy ever. James Harden's last playoff game. Can't really get that out of my mind. How great is this for Houston, though, that you have the two most scorned playoff disappointment superstars in the NBA? Right, because we don't we don't get on Russ about any playoff stuff. We don't ever get on Russ about what he did when they blew the three one lead to the Warriors, because the three one lead for the Warriors, their loss trumped that. It trumped what happened with Oklahoma City. Russ was bad at the close of those games, but but he put up number. I mean, Harden looked like. Wait a minute, did he get bit by one of the zombies? What happened? Is he is he not allowed to be in the group? Should we build a pit? So you have Paul and Harden both chasing these. It'll be weird. I mean, if those guys get through the Warriors, and then, you know, it'd be funny, too, if they were to say say something stupid happened. Like, then they lose to the Cavs, and they lose in the NBA Finals. Then it's like, see, told you, told you. We can't keep moving the target, is the point that I'm making about all of this. Teams try to find a way to improve themselves. The Cavs improve themselves. Here, here are some things, and I always do this with you guys. I tell you it all the time. There are times where they're flat-out guesses. Hey, what do you think about this, Rye? I don't know. Maybe this. There are times where they're educated guesses where you say, hey, Ryan, how do you feel about this? And I'll go, well, you know, uh, you know, there's a chance this could happen. Here's something a little pay attention to. And then there's times where I'm going to say flat out, this is what is happening. And that means someone told me. That means I have information. And I've never understood why people have such a hard time processing that a talk show host could have access to this kind of information. Here are facts and here are things that are not facts. Facts. They had to get Isaiah Thomas the hell out of there. If you watch that T-Wolves game where they won an overtime, that was a joke. Okay, They were still, and this is a credit to LeBron, they were still trying to appease Isaiah Thomas in offensive possessions where they had Thomas as the screener. And the first time Minnesota actually switched it, and you could see them being like, why are we switching this? And then they tried it two more times, and the screen led to nothing, and you could see LeBron's frustration. When LeBron hit the layup on that drive to tie it up, Isaiah was waving his arms at the top of the key, asking for the ball back as LeBron is driving to tie it up. And if you noticed, Isaiah went back to the bench and the other three dudes on the Cavs high-five LeBron. I watched it, rewound it the whole time. And then, you know, look, LeBron hits that ridiculous turnaround in overtime over Butler. And, you know, everybody was celebrating. And, you know, Isaiah was in it, so I know it sounds like I'm, I'm pointing out some. But this stuff was happening. And what was also happening is here's Isaiah coming back, not playing great defense, Actually, historically bad defense, missing a million shots. We've been over the stats before, 
And he and Jay Crowder are buddying up because in the Boston days, it wasn't like this. The Boston days, they were having fun. Brad Stevens is a better coach than Ty Lue. And then you have Thomas, who's just back and not playing well, yet still carries himself as a superstar. And it was weird because it's like, you know, back when you were with Boston, yeah, you were the leader and you were the superstar, but you don't really get to play that role again now, man, because there's this other dude over there who's like chasing Jordan. And for you to start calling out everybody, we don't practice, we don't do all these different things, even if you're right, those are times where you can't really say that, or at least you can't say it publicly, or at least you can't say it until you start playing better. And so they had to get him out of there. They had to get Crowder out of him because that's what I had heard, that they were kind of teaming up as like the Boston guys going, dude, this just isn't as good. And maybe it wasn't, and it probably wasn't because Lou isn't as good as Brad Stevens. But it's you better be you better be making all your shots when you're coming back from an injury and you're complaining about this team that you've just started playing with again. I mean, who does that? And he did it. You got to get him out. Out. Dwayne Wade always wanted to go back to Miami. He still feels like Miami owes him a ton of money when he opted out, when LeBron decided to opt out, and then Wade opted out, and everybody thought we're all on the same page and he was going to get a longer contract. And then the Bulls stepped up and paid him a ton. And then the Bulls didn't want him there because then he didn't want to be there because he was still chasing his money. And with Chicago, and this goes back to Miami a little bit, where Wade, as great as he's been, and he was really great that last year right before his contract was up, wasn't he? He's not always, he can be your best friend like he is with LeBron, but it doesn't always mean he's the best teammate, okay? I have guys that are my best friends. It doesn't mean I want him to be my roommate. I'd rather have a guy who pays bills, has a normal sleeping pattern, doesn't have a girlfriend who doesn't have papers. That's not a political statement. It has nothing to do with the Dreamers. It's just I had a friend who had a girlfriend who was not a legal citizen, and she crashed his car, and guess who ended up with the bill? My buddy Sammy. And she got deported because she crashed his car making a booze run. That was like 15 years ago. I don't know what happened to her. Cute kid, though. A lot of passion. Wade, it was time to move on. And just like in Miami, when LeBron was still there, and Wade was like, yeah, I'm not ready to go tonight. And the guys would be like, all right. You know, Wade could kind of call his own shots. Like, Wade can go back to Miami and be Dwayne Wade. Play when he wants to, and no one can say anything to him because he's Dwayne Wade of Miami. That stuff's not flying with LeBron up in Cleveland. And in Chicago, even though it's always been really difficult, anytime Rondo's involved in anything to be Team Rondo... Rondo might have been right about the whole beef on social media when Wade started calling out dudes and Rondo's like, hey, my guys would never do that. And what did we all want to do? We all want to jump on Rondo because Rondo wasn't a sweetheart at the end of Boston. Rondo was a disaster with the Dallas Mavericks. Rondo started chasing another contract in Sacramento. But sometimes the guy you like, can, or excuse me, sometimes the guy you don't like who's done stuff, who's given us evidence to not like him, can still be right about stuff. And that's why I think Wade had to move on. Speaking of bad teammates, and the Wade thing is, you know, that's, I shouldn't end the sentence that way or this whole Wade thing that way because I, I don't know that he was, could Cleveland still have come out of the East? Of course. And there were moments that he had that were pretty good when he's playing with the second unit and all that stuff. So it sounds like I've beaten up on him too long and I did go too long with that. So I don't know really who I'm apologizing to except maybe Gabby Union. But I think everything I've said there, Everybody knows this stuff around the league. He's happy. He's back in Miami. They're back in Miami. Who knows what that next big contract will be? Because I do think that it might be a little north of what you think, even though their contract sheet's a mess. So they move on from that. Fact, Derrick Rose is a terrible teammate. He's gone AWOL and fake retired again, two years in a row. All right, so we need to get into that. And then Utah was like, dude, don't even, don't even look at Airbnb. 
Forget renting a place. You don't, we, you're good. And then, you know, Shumpert's money. And then you have Channing Fry who couldn't play in a lot of playoff series. So those are all facts. Fact, they brought on 55 million. Everybody loved Hammer and that. No one wanted to bring up the fact they sent out 26 million. Here's another fact. They're way over the cap anyway. They're not going to be free agent players. So when you're that screwed up, it doesn't matter. Stay over the cap. I'm not telling you any one of those individual players are awesome or total game changers or tilt the balance of power back in Cleveland's favor. They might have won the East with this group before, and they looked great yesterday. Boston also looked terrible. And Boston, on the other hand, a team that's still number one defensive efficiency, first month or so, they were 96 points allowed per 100 possessions. Now they're at 101. They've dropped off a lot, but still maintain that number one thing because the start, they were off the charts, like historic defensively, especially in today's game, where we're seeing, like, how many half times are you watching now? You're like, 70, 68 again? Like, 70's not even crazy anymore at halftime, and it's happening all the time. So, you know, 70 would be like, man, you know, are they going to get to 70? And now I'm like, oh, another team's at 70. So Boston defensively still number one based on the efficiency stuff. But if you watch them closely, they have slipped from an unobtainable number. They, they were not going to be able to sustain that. Kyrie's slipping a little bit. They had to play Marcus Morris against LeBron a bit. So, yeah, if you're doing the show today, it's funny because I would be the guy that well, on Thursday and Friday would say, I really like what they did. And then I'd be the guy today going, okay, but dude, I don't, I don't know that. Okay. Sorry, East, shut it down. Sorry, Toronto. Don't bother. Sorry, Boston. Don't bother. But I still, I think Sarudi, you and I are both kind of looking at the Cavs shrugging going as bad as it looks. I think they still get out of the East, even though it wouldn't have felt shocking this year if they didn't. But I got to see them play. I have to just see them play more. They looked awesome yesterday, but Boston also looked terrible. And it wasn't just because Cleveland was killing them. Like it was, it was, it can both, you know, it's always that stupid thing. It was like, oh, how about giving me some credit? You know, I'm giving you credit. You guys look really good, but I don't think Boston played its best game yesterday either. I think we're even overestimating, like, oh, we got to wait for them to jail defensively. I, I think the team, I think they're going to win the East. I don't think it's even that close, to be honest with you. I, I, we had, we had Adnan on the show today and told him to make the case for the Raptors, and he's talking about how different they are and how Dwayne Casey took this team to see the Warriors, and now they're they're thinking in that mindset of the Steve Kerr team. And I, what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What, but how, apparently, like, during the finals last year, Dwayne Casey took, like, Lowry and DeRozan, whoever, and just, like, had them observe the Warriors. And oh. that, to me, I, I'm, just, I'm sorry if I'm not going to believe in the, in the Raptors. And the Celtics, like, Maybe if they had Hayward, but they don't. And I just, I think that game told me everything that you needed to see. I know it's one game, but maybe I'm overreacting. That's the dumbest thing ever. I'm sorry. I mean, I could watch there, but it's not. It's not. Even I could watch game. Anderson Silva in his proof, prime, and I'm not going to start challenging just, dudes to a street. Fight. That game was just proof to me of what I already knew that LeBron is going to come out of the East. Yeah. All right. That, and, I, and maybe and 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 that that game maybe had nothing and everything to do about it. Right. It was. I just needed to see it. I saw it. They looked awesome. Maybe Boston wasn't great, but in my head, I already had them in there anyway because they have LeBron. Yeah, and they're going right. to figure it out. Yeah, so I, I think you can do two things, which I'm trying to do here, is I can like them, I can like what they did last week, and I'm impressed. I'm I'm proud of Colby Altman. Going, yeah, it changes up. And then it turns into the other thing. I swear, some of these TV shows, the producers, what do you guys do? And this is going to be what my next TV show is. I'm just going to point out stuff. I'm going to run footage of other shows that pisses me off. And then I'm just going to rant. 
If you can do it with political shows, why can't I do it with a sports show? Be the whole Richard Sherman thing. I play that video, and then out of the video, him talking about in the NFL, if you don't produce, they move on from you. Like it's the most profound statement ever made by an athlete. Black and white, slow music, maybe even a little cloud font, star wipe, and then I would just swear out of it. So that's a show I'm going to do. But I saw another graphic today. It's like, is this sustainable for Isaiah Thomas? How, like, what do you do in the pre-show meeting? Hey, here's another question about Isaiah and the Lakers. You want to ask it, and then we can all say no? Done. What's segment two? The Isaiah, good for him, man. He hit some buckets against the Lakers. It's a completely different dynamic. The demand and what he's allowed to do with Cleveland versus what it was or going to be in L.A., especially without Ball and his injury. I mean, two different things, man. Good for him. And I love, I, there's nothing more Isaiah Thomas than the the minute he's traded, and I talked to Rachel Nichols last night at the Garden because we ran into each other. She was covering for the jump and all the stuff, and they were in Boston. So I go, you know, great job getting that Aaron Goodwin text, who's Isaiah's agent. We're all caps him saying he's not coming off the bench. You're like, dude, can you just can you let the ink dry on this thing before you immediately start making demands? Because you don't know how it's going to play out. The biggest thing that Isaiah Thomas needs to do is figure out to regain some of his market. Now, what he may be able to do, is with now the salary crunch, and if a team finds that there's just no one out there that they want to do, he could do a Contavious Caldwell Pope type deal, one year, more money than you think average. You know, I don't even want to throw a number out there. I mean, if people start saying six million a year for Isaiah Thomas, I don't think that's going to happen. But what he may need to work on is putting up a bunch of buckets here and finding a team that doesn't want to use his cap space on anyone long term, and then he feels like he rejuvenates his career with one more year. The difference with Isaiah though, he's coming up on thirty. He's a lot older than other dudes because he just, you know, he was in school for a long time. Well, take the Caldwell Pope thing to the next level. What the Lakers might, if the Lakers strike out this summer, maybe they're bringing him back. For yeah, a they one might. Year big time deal. They totally could. Um, I don't, I don't know if they will because I think the ball thing with him is really challenging. Uh, although Ball is, uh, he's, you know, it's funny because everybody killed him because of the De'Aaron Fox Kentucky game, which I try to tell everybody about. Every one of those buckets wasn't Ball's fault, but he's actually a really good team defender. So. You know, but, you know, the Isaiah thing is when he's on your team, you have to make sure everybody is locked in defensively to know you're going to have to cheat a little every now and then. You're going to have to help your boy out. And Cleveland didn't do that. They didn't do a good job or they didn't do as good of a job as Brad Stevens did. Okay. Uh, that's 20 minutes or so on that. I don't know how much more peer stuff I can do. I, like I said in a tweet this weekend, because I was tweeting out a bunch of stuff and I wanted to go up and see a game before I move out west and I wanted to take my dad and my brother. So, you know, they were all excited and I brought him to the game and, the Pierce ceremony was after the fact because there's no way they could do it at halftime. It wasn't anyone's call other than just time. When Ainge, when Wick Rosbeck, the owner, when Doc Rivers, and then Paul, and going to be introduced by Mike Gorman, the legendary Mike Gorman, uh, that's that's not going to be 15 minutes. And to rush it would be an injustice. I mean, you really think about it. <laughs> when you're around it all the time, you can almost kind of take that thing for granted. Like, Can you imagine how sick that would be to have your number retired? And this isn't even about me growing up and, you know, being from, I never like to say Boston because when you grow up in Martha's Vineyard, you're not from Boston. Okay. That's, I mean, it's like saying you're from Maine or Canada. Actually, Maine and Canada have more in common than, than Boston and Martha's Vineyard. But, uh, you know, I did live there for a while and I covered that team for like 80 games the year they won it in 2008. So I'm including all the playoff games. I think I was on TV like 80 games of however many, they've been 110, 100 and whatever games and I was on the court in 2008 doing post game for Comcast after the Pierce wheelchair thing and I was going you nuts because we used to always call everybody else on that Comcast show the green teamers it would just be 
the most glowing review ever. And when they stunk, it was awful doing those shows because somebody, you know, somebody would do you now. Jerome Weiso is way too early. Uh, you know, some, somebody who is just a total fringe guy, you know, Chucky Atkins, can this be somebody you build a team around and be like, no, I can't do that. So Pierce goes down, then he comes back out and everybody hates Pierce because that wheelchair thing. Srudy, I know I'll give you a minute here because I know you hate him because of it too. But I was on the court going, are you guys nuts? He's fine. That was a total overreaction. He's going to be fine. And then everybody on the show was going, Oh, Ryan, you can't, oh, you know, I was like, what are you nuts? I was like, it was pretty clear that. Whatever how did was, you know, though? How did you? How did you? Because he came back in, he was fine. No, I know, but how did you know in that moment that he was going to be fine? No, 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 no. I was doing post game, so I, I had the benefit of watching the rest. Of the game, but I watched him, and I, my seat was kind of aligned over there. I was actually, I brought my dad to the NBA finals. We high five. At that point, we thought it was peak me, two thousand eight, going hello, Lakers, Celtics, finals tickets. This is sick. And so he came back. We were like, okay, he's good. And then. The story on the TV show was that he, oh, you know, we'll have to keep a close eye on Paul. I was like, yeah, we just did. He's good. He's good. So I got killed in Boston because I was like the one. They were killing me on the shows. Going, I can't believe Rosillo would, you know, say that or just assume it. I'm just looking around me like, am I, am I the only sane person on this TV show? And then I'd had a stretch of that year where I go, wait, Pierce is great. I love Pierce. But. He's not a top five player in the NBA. And then everybody freaked. And then just like, just like I do with anything, you know, um, it's kind of like the LeBron thing was everybody tells me he's leaving. I go, okay, where? And then they can't name anywhere. I go, oh, the Lakers, oh, the Spurs. No, no, no. Tell me, tell me the roadmap. Tell me how it works. And then they don't. Okay. Um, it's the same thing. I, when, when I was doing the Pierce argument, I go, okay, if he's top five, give me, give me where he is. And then everybody would be like, well, you know, Kobe, Garnett, you know, say whoever. I mean, you know, whatever, 10 years ago. And then they put Pierce fifth every time. And I go, he's never, maybe he's sniffing fifth like one of these years. But when I think of a top five player, I think of that as an established thing through about a three-year stretch of your career. It's not just is your efficiency top five in the NBA that year. And honestly, Pierce's efficiency, I think his peak was like 23. When you look at some of these other guys, it's off the charts, especially now because the way they're, they're shooting threes. and so I was the anti-Pierce guy, and now I'm the pro-Pierce guy because I'm a national guy with the Boston hook. And all I'm telling you, and I put it up on a poll, I know that sounded just like Stu, but I was curious to see how people would remember this. It'd be like Vince Carter, Paul Pierce, who had the better career? And 63% said Paul Pierce. If he didn't have that ring, I bet you'd be 50-50, and it may even go Vince's way. And I'm telling you right now, it's not even close who had the better career. And the funniest thing about the wheelchair thing is that that somehow depicted as like Pierce was soft when Pierce was the furthest thing from soft. The dude played every game. And the only time he missed a big chunk of games is when they were tanking in 07 for the draft where they ended up with the pick for Jeff Green because it was Odin, Durant, Horford, Conley, and then a drop-off. Jeff Green, they moved it out to Ray Allen, who at the time had ankle problems wasn't playing any defense, and I was like, man, with all the money left on this, I'm not even sure this deal works out. And, of course, it worked out. It was awesome. We know the rest of the history there. But he didn't miss games. So you can make fun of him for the wheelchair, but he's actually tough. He's actually tough. And when I point these things out, it's like, no, no, and you go, this would be so funny because if any of you guys ever paid any attention to the stuff I was doing at Comcast in 2008, you'd be like, wait a minute, I thought he liked Pierce. 
I think you've swayed me a little bit on this. I just I still don't understand why the wheelchair was necessary. You're telling me that the Celtics staff yeah. just wanted him to get in, and he told us like when, when we, one of the last shows I yeah, did, I asked great. him about it, and he started laughing. He hates it, but then even Garnett brought up the wheelchair thing during they were running all these videos, like these tribute to Pierce videos during all the breaks in the action, and Garnett started making fun of him, swearing during the video tribute about Pierce getting in the wheelchair. If Pierce missed a lot of games, if I'm telling you as somebody who watched almost every game of his Celtics career that he was soft, you know I tell you he was soft. I saw him once. It's not fall that I think he's soft. I just that was so. It extra. was lame. It was so lame. And, and if I you're telling me lame. that it's the Celtics medical staff fault, then I will put the blame on this. Somebody is to blame for this because it was a drastic overreaction. Yeah, the towel on the head, and he thought his knee was shot. I felt, yeah. I'm like, man, this is such a bummer. And, With, then, and then ten minutes later, he's draining threes. When they were talking about it, because they spent a lot of time talking about 2008 during the ceremony yesterday, Wick said he was, you know, his baseline seats right there underneath the hoop, away from the Celtics bench, and he goes, you know, we're sitting there going, oh, cool. We just lost the NBA Finals to the Lakers. Pierce is done. A um, couple other highlights. I did tweet out a picture of the guy in a Kobe jersey who was sitting right behind Breen, Van Gundy, and Jackson who were doing the call. Uh, he was basically front row and wore a Kobe jersey to a Cavs-Celtics game during the Pierce retirement jersey ceremony. You, sir, are the worst. I tweeted out that it's the worst. And then somebody actually tweeted at me and said, hey, this is the dude that's in the Kobe jersey. You're a clown. You know, five rings, whatever. We're just here to show your boy Pierce respect. You're like, no, 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 no. You don't get this. And this is a, this is a rule everywhere. If you're the Hardo fan, and yes, I remember when I was super Red Sox guy when they'd be playing the Rays back then, the Devil Rays, and some old clown from Queens. No, he would have been from Queens, but I didn't even want to say he's from like Yonkers. He's not even from Borough. He's from Yonkers, and he's got his 26, you know, eight ball jacket, 26 world champions, brown leather vintage. Like he's worn that jacket every day, saved up for it, bought it at Cooperstown. And he's wearing that jacket in the grandstands at Fenway when they're playing the Rays. You're just like, shut up, dude. Get out of here. And it'd be the same way if the Cubs were playing the Brewers and you had your Rick Ankeel jersey on and you were a Cards fan. Like, figure it out. And there was a Kobe tribute video where he was saying, what up to Paul? Because there was a big thing on like Inglewood and Pierce was destroyed that he got. He's so bummed out he get picked by the Celtics. He's playing right outside of their old stomp, at least growing up when he was younger. Um, and uh, the lower level started cheering for Kobe in the 300s up there where Saruti sits. They were booing like crazy. So anyway, I don't I don't think he should have been wearing the jersey. I I have a lot of buddies who would have done that exact move. So I think it's funny. I think you get mad at it. I think it's funny. Like that guy is a loser, that's, no doubt about it. But I, thing. but I'm not yeah. angry at him. I just think I kind of feel bad for him. Like you're that guy. I. What do you think the chances the tweet were for him, from him were? 1%? Probably zero. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know. That guy's not worried about. That guy's not worried about his image. He's there to do him. No, I don't. I don't think so. But if he's just lucky, it wasn't a night game, and he had good seats. If he was in the 300s and it was a night game. Wednesday, T-Wolves. Yeah, 300s are scary, man. I had to go up there once to use the bathroom back when I was working there. Let me ask you just, this. Yeah, a guy's filming me using the urinal. That's that's weird. Whoa. Um, let me ask you this, because I was at the game. I was at game two of the Eastern Conference Finals last year, sitting in the 300 level. Yeah. And the thing that annoys me more than, what the, more than the Jersey guy that annoys you is Celtics fan or any fan, they're down 30 in, this, in the beginning of the second quarter, 
and Celtics guy is just is just harassing LeBron about how much of a bum he is when he's just destroying your team up and down the court every possession. Yeah, I can't, that bums me. Out. I can't defend that guy. Like that guy to me is worse because he not only your team is getting your bleep kicked in your own building and you're somehow taking this out on LeBron saying he sucks when LeBron doesn't suck. Hey, the section's not just higher; it's the BAC up there too. I mean, it's good point. It's kind of rowdy up there sometimes. I know the NBA used to have this rule about having a ten dollars ticket in every arena. I don't know if that's still true. If it still has definitely to be ten, not. Unless the I mean, is it twenty? Is it twenty bucks or something like they have? Every arena has to well, make some. I, I as a I don't Magic even fan, know what that is. I'll tell you that as a Magic fan, I go to like Boston every year. To yeah. go to a game, and those games are not hot tickets as no. you would think, <laughs> and they're not ten bucks. They're like in the, they're like mid twenties for three hundred level, and the higher three hundred. Oh yeah. the lowest three hundred isn't terrible. I don't. But I don't mind it actually. Highest three hundred is. They're not around ten bucks. Do I have any other stories from there? Leon Poe said hi to me. I got a gold ball. What's he doing? I don't know. I love that guy though. He, he was so no, he was so good before he got hurt. Blew up both knees, and then his stories growing up is so sad. But he was he was when he had a nice little stretch, he was pretty good. And then he had that quote: "I got a gold ball." He said hi to me. He may have thought I was somebody else. Uh, I have let this beard go quite a bit. Some people did not recognize me. At all. Uh, what else? I think that's about Maybe it. Maybe he thought you were Joe Rogan. Well, I don't know if he thought I was Joe Rogan. Probably not. Probably not. Ray Allen didn't show up. You know why? Because they don't want him to, and he doesn't want to either. And no one's like that thing. Were people mad that Ray Allen didn't show up? Why is he supposed to show up when they don't want him there? Like, it was a first take topic this morning. I don't know who argued what side, but they were like, <laughs> why is Ray not there? And you're like, this is pretty self-explanatory to me. I don't I don't yeah. think anybody was wondering why he wasn't there. Imagine. I mean, after the Area uh, 21 thing, I mean, that pretty much summed the whole thing up. I don't need to hear any more. Yeah, imagine going to a party that you're not supposed to go to. Then imagine being really famous in one of the greats that have ever done what you've done and then showing up to a party that nobody wants you at. So, uh, I respect him for not going. Yeah, I actually, I'm you like, could have just showed right. face and been like, oh, try to fit in. No, it's not cool. And you're not cool with each other. It's, that's not, it's no big deal. Just go your separate ways. Yeah. Agreed. I have 10 minutes on Garoppolo. So let's do that. I don't know. I don't know if Woj called the hotline. This is live on air producing. Should we, should I text him again? I've been following the line. Yeah. He hasn't called in yet. I would text him. Okay. Or call him live on the air. All right, let's try that. I know, but I don't want... I'm not close enough with Woj that I, I want him to think I'm messing with him. I should have answered that FaceTime last week. That would have been good. That was stupid not to. That was a good, that was a good guest. Would have been a good last-minute guest. Uh, all right. I don't know. All right, I'm calling Woj right now. I just... If he called the wrong hotline, I don't want him... Yes, yeah, for him. Uh, hey, what's up, bud? Good. Um, did you call on a hotline? Because we didn't get a call. Oh. No. Do you want Do you want us to call you and do a few minutes? Uh, we can go short because it's last minute, and I kind of like feel like because last week fell apart, and then um, the guest this week got on a plane <laughs> once I got the right number. But yeah, let's just do twenty minutes or something like that, and then I'll let you go. All right, we'll call you right back. And that is booking Woj on the podcast. I guess Garoppolo will have to wait. What's that? Garoppolo is going to have to wait. Garoppolo is going to have to wait. 
How much? Who do you like more than Garoppolo right now? Pro athlete for you, Jonathan Isaac. Uh, that's a great question. I, I kind of hate all of my teams right now. <laughs> Wait so. a minute, you, it's debatable who you like more between Garoppolo and Jonathan I mean, Isaac. Five games. Like I'm not like I'm not all in on Garoppolo. Like I think it's that's why he got a lot of money, and I'm hoping for the best. What's the but, worst Garoppolo take you've heard yet? Um, well, there was a guy. I'm gonna stop we, saying takes. We it's talked about over though. There's we talked about this on on the show actually. There was a guy out in San Francisco that said the 49ers should franchise Garoppolo, and then look to trade him and sign Kirk Cousins. Because you'd be able to, you're, you're selling Garoppolo at his highest point ever. Five and oh, awesome. You probably, you, you gave up, you gave up a second round pick. You'd probably get two first. Somebody back. called in? No, no, no. This was a writer in, in the Bay Area. Oh. Who said they should trade him because they would probably get two to three first round picks for him. Let's call Woj and then on the back end, I said 20 minutes. You know, that means it's going to go a little bit longer. It just does. You know, you just start, just start feeling the magic spreading your, all right. So you go ahead and call him. All right, coming up next, we're going to have Woj, trade deadline react, the trade that didn't happen, and his prediction for the next disgruntled superstar that will want to be moved maybe this summer, if not during the season. Okay, we got Woj, and this is awesome because we were going to do kind of a quick react to the trade deadline last week, but now we had a weekend. We've let it settle down. I went to go see the new-look Cavs. I predicted they go undefeated the rest of the way. I'm just kidding. Um, a lot of reaction to that. But I like what the Cavs did. And I, I think it was was complicated, but also at the same time simple. They moved on for some guys that were not on the same page. And you, know, you still got to figure out this LeBron thing. How surprised, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but it's so many different moving pieces. Maybe it's, how was Kobe able to pull all this stuff off? No, right. I, I think that, a couple reasons. I think that, I think that, the, the bigger market beyond Cleveland helped them in that there weren't a lot of teams out there, very few in fact, who wanted to take on money, who wanted to give up a draft pick. Uh, so they had that going for them. There weren't a lot of teams who said, we need to do something big because we are close to beating Golden State or we are close to jumping from 10 to 7, and that's important to us. Like Detroit made that decision before the deadline. We want to get in the playoffs. We want to get a star player. We're going to make a bold move. There was no one, there weren't many teams in, there were very few of any teams in that mode. So that allowed Cleveland in that climate to be the ones who could get, who'd give up a pick to take on Jordan Clarkson, who uh, do the deal, who trade for a player who's about to become a restricted free agent and Rodney Hood, and then George Hill, who's got a lot, you know, a big number on his contract next year. Beyond their own, the great job Altman did in putting this together, I think those factors on the market allowed them to, you know, I think benefit from a lot of hesitancy elsewhere in the market. Whenever, you know, Cleveland does something, the two things that everybody always asks, they go, okay, well, you know, what does that mean about the Warriors? And it's something I did at the opening of the podcast. And I go, you know, that's not even worth discussing because it doesn't, like I don't, that deal wasn't out there. It didn't exist. Like everybody wants these deals to happen that can convince LeBron to stay or convince the world that they're going to beat the Warriors. And, and I always kind of joke that, well, yeah, but you need somebody else to get involved in that deal with you. And I don't think those deals are really out there. But before I take it a little further with Cleveland, did you feel like, and this is always, you know, a little dangerous with the information that you get, but do you feel like there were any deals out there or was this one thing close to happening that would have been bigger that didn't happen? I do not. Uh... You know, the Clippers talked 
with Cleveland on DeAndre Jordan, and that was concurrent with the other talks they had with Lakers and then the three-way with Sacramento and Utah. And in the end, it just became easier or a better fit. A combination of getting younger, more athletic, improving those positions versus the center position. And then they were able to just get the other deals done first and went that direction. And then, of course, you know, you'd have to be, were you ready to pay DeAndre Jordan a big long-term deal? Uh, So they went that direction, but I don't know that there was a, um, you know, none of the big stars who we wondered, you know, could they possibly get on the market? Um, Like obviously Paul George or Marcus Saul, they were not on the market and they weren't discussed. And uh, so really Cleveland and LA and, and, you know, both LA teams were very active, but, uh, I never was aware of anything that was on the cusp that was going to be, you know, kind of um, a, a deal that would, you know, greatly impact like the balance of power in the NBA. I, I didn't get a sense that that was really in play. What's your read on what Presti tells people when they call about Paul George and what that means about what he thinks happens this summer? Well, he. Listen, he knew this when he traded for him. He knew that on, well, he suspected that on February 8th, Paul George probably wouldn't be sure what he was going to do. Like, I mean, if it went really, really well, maybe he could say, okay, I think I want to be here. If it was going horribly, yeah, maybe he'd want to leave. But chances were there'd be some ups and downs, which there have been. And they're in a good place with them. That doesn't mean, you know, I think the one thing, I think Oklahoma City learned its lesson with Kevin Durant. And... Uh, they know that free agency is dicey. It takes on a life of its own. And how a guy feels on, in February and March might be different than how he feels in June and July. Uh, but they, you know, when he made the trade, he knew, why would I flip him again on February 8th when I didn't give us a chance to um, make a run with him? Because ultimately, what's going to convince George to stay is really a really good playoff run and feeling like they can go forward with that group uh, that he could. And so they're not there yet. And I think, uh, you know, they can get there this summer. And, uh, uh, but I think for him, it was worth, uh, it's worth rolling the dice. Like this is why we made this deal. And this is why we made Carmelo because we want to make a run with him. And then they've beaten golden state twice this year, pretty handily. Uh, and so you hope that's something that's encouraging for the future. And so he never – listen, I think they. I think one thing Sam Presti always does is have contingencies. So I am sure that he mapped out probably some possible deals with him if all of a sudden they got to the seventh or eighth and something changed. Or, but, but, but I don't – but I think they had planned and then stayed with their plan, which was we're going to – we're going to keep Paul – uh, we're going to keep Paul George, and we're going to try to resign him. You think he stays? I don't know. I think that he's. I think he's had a positive experience there. I think that he has liked the organization. I think he's liked playing with that group. Uh, I think that he's got to look at. You know, I think what Paul George has to do is look at the roster going forward. Look at the payroll and say, "Is like, what's the plan?" to make this sustainable because 
Paul George staying on a max deal next year and then Carmelo Anthony opting in is a payroll that's not realistic. So I think the question I'm sure they're going to ask is, what happens with Steven Adams? What happens with how do we, how does this team still be really, really good uh, going forward beyond this year when, when I'm looking at a payroll that might be hard for New York or L.A. to pay, a luxury tax yeah. that a big market team would have to uh, blink at versus a small market Oklahoma City. So I think those are all answers that I think are questions he's going to look for answers for. And listen, I'm sure I know Sam Price is working on all that. So I just think there's where are the Lakers then? What's LeBron going to do? There's so many factors that are going to play in the free agency. What happens in Houston? Uh, do do team do star players look at the Rockets and say, if they can get off their money, do I want to be the third guy in Houston? So I think there's other lots of stuff for uh, Paul George to look at, but I think Oklahoma City has done everything they can to this point to make a case to him, and they're in it, like they're in it. And and he said to Rachel Nichols recently, hey, like. Russell's making this decision easier for me. And so those are all positive. Those are all positive signs. And what he's saying publicly is what I think he's saying privately. Like, I'm really enjoying this, but let's, let's see how, let's see how it plays out. You brought up the Lakers. Any of us have paid any attention, you know, it felt like, okay, they're going to go after him. And then I thought magic was telling us something or at least leaning based on maybe his confidence this offseason when he started trying to temper expectations and say, you know, maybe it's not this year, maybe it's 2019. That very well could be just learning more about the job and going, the worst thing you can do is brag about your cap space and then not use it in the year that you're supposed to use it. So I didn't know if that was him going, hey, you know, we're not getting a good read, but then they make the trade, they move out the Clarkson money, and then everybody, there was one side of it, it's like, oh, how dumb are the, the Cavs? They just made it that much easier for LeBron. I was told by a source that Yes, financially, it's possible now to add a LeBron and Paul George, but my source had said that the Lakers are no more appealing today for LeBron than they were prior to the trade deadline. So everybody can make all the Cavs jokes they want about hooking up the Lakers with the cap space, but I felt like the Cavs weren't super intimidated about them as a landing spot. So... How does this play in now with the Lakers have moved this? You know, what you've heard kind of, you know, as I'm throwing you my theories and what I've heard about that, like how would you kind of look at their situation now from everything Magic has said now to what they did on Thursday? Well, you know, Ramona Shelburne and I wrote the story, uh, I think early in trade deadline week, maybe Sunday night, Monday morning maybe it was, that the Lakers were recalibrating, I think was the word we used. Yeah, it was an awesome word. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think it was Ramona's. It's a good word. Um, and so we wrote about that, that they were starting to look further out and, and not putting all their focus just in 18. And um, and they are. But, like, that doesn't mean, of course, they're going to continue to pursue LeBron and Paul George. And I think DeMarcus Cousins took himself out of the conversation with the injury. I don't think that makes sense to them right now. Um, to to invest in him coming off that kind of an injury. So, but but the thing with you know I think the thing with the Lakers is like they they have known I think I think there's a belief with the Lakers and others that it's going to be really hard to get LeBron to come alone. Meaning, like if there's another star who's going to walk in the door with him, and there's really only one this summer that you know I think rises to the level of really impacting. Um, things and that's Paul George. So 
I think it was always going to be hard to get LeBron to come alone. And I think maybe a little easier with Paul George in that he's younger and it's home. And maybe that would have been less important to him than, than they could have gone out and got another one next year. I don't know that LeBron does it that way. Now, he might he might end up, but I think the feeling has been that that would be harder. And so when Paul George is starting to indicate, kind of looking back at, at Oklahoma City publicly, and, um, you know, you look at the young group they have with the Lakers, and they're not going to be ready to win right away. And I, and I think even if Paul George and LeBron James walk in the door, I mean, they're really good, that team. They're not the favorite. I'm not sure they're better than Houston. Um, certainly not as good as Golden State. And so, I mean, Houston has depth to it, and they have great role players. and They've done a really good job of building that roster out. And uh, the Lakers aren't there with that. They have some good young players who have a chance to be really good, but you're not winning with that group yet. And so uh, those are all factors, I think, that make the Lakers realist, more realistic about, well, let's see what 19 looks like. And maybe we get one this year and one next year. Maybe we try to get two in 19. Maybe we get one of them. Like, you need someone to commit and come. And some, usually the first one's the hardest to get, even for the Lakers. Uh, so I think that's where the L.A.'s thinking was. And I think what Cleveland, what Cleveland discussed internally was, hey, when, when LeBron was leaving Cleveland to go to Miami, and Miami had a runaround in late June, early July, and clear cap space to get both Bosch and LeBron, they found a way to do it. When LeBron was coming back to Cleveland, Griff went out and was able to create space you know, they got um, Zeller off, I think, and Jared Jack, uh, and, and maybe another move or two. So that they felt in Cleveland, listen, if LeBron wants to go there, and the, the Lakers are going to find a way to create the space. That's, I'm so glad you said that because, I mean, it's yeah. it's not the end of the world, Clarkson's contract, okay? And it's not. No, no. It, I mean, no, if you, if you have to move $12 million and make a sweetener so you can go get LeBron and Paul George, you're going to find a way to do it. You, so you you're really right. do it. And, and, I, and I think Cleveland just felt like, listen, the best available, the players that make the most sense for us. Like, if all things were even, yeah, they would have done a deal with another team instead of the Lakers. Of course they would have. But there was nothing else out there that they said, hey, those are the two players we want. And given what else we have on the table, so why don't we just do the deal that we want to do, that, that we think improves us the most, and not worry about the optics of it or how it could turn out. Because in the end, if we don't make a good deal at the deadline and we don't improve this team and change this environment, it's not going to matter anyway. He's going to like, so I, I thought Cleveland handled it right. And um, those are the players they wanted. So they did a deal and didn't worry about the perception later that always oh, just handed them the opportunity to get LeBron because they would have lost LeBron anyway. So what's the difference? Like what's the difference? What people say along with it. So I've been the guy, and I think we've talked about it back when I still had the show, where I was like, you know, I'm just not as convinced as the rest of the NBA world that LeBron has already packed the bags and is waiting for the season to play out. When you, I like, I, when I talk to other teams, they're like, what are you, nuts? All the signs are there. We saw it before. We saw this 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 movie seven years ago. So what the, what the hell are you saying that he's going to stay in Cleveland? What do you think is, is maybe the most convincing gossip-type thing that's out there about his next play? Well... I mean, I don't want to deal in gossip. Uh, I mean, I just try to deal in reporting. And works way better for me, I, Boj. If you if you do, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think that like if you want to just look at the relationship with Dan Gilbert, it is very poor right now. But it's been it's but it has, it, that's been pretty consistent really since he got back. It hasn't changed much. You know, he returned to Cleveland with a poor relationship with him. They've had a poor relationship. 
And so to say that now, that's the reason he's going to leave. Maybe it becomes a factor, but he's existed. Listen, what he needs from an owner is someone who's willing to spend money, who's willing to go on a luxury tax, who puts a management team in place that can get something done. And I think Kobe Altman showed his chops at the trade deadline that he could get things done. Um, he doesn't need someone to go to dinner with. He doesn't need someone to hang out with. Like, he's never going to be that with Dan Gilbert. But that's not what he needs. What he needs is, like, those other things. And he's gotten that from Dan Gilbert. So is the relationship really bad and maybe even non-existent? Yeah. But have they, in the end, have they won? Yeah, they've won a lot there. They've been to the finals three straight years. They finally won a title, and they've spent the money. And now with this deal... They took on more money going forward. So I I just don't treat that like it's the end all in this. And um, so I I think it's – I just know this about free agency. It's true with LeBron. It's true with a lot of other great players. It is so fluid. And and I said this earlier on the show. How guys feel in October, November, and now February, March, April, and then how they are on July 1 usually changes a lot. And – so why wouldn't this one continue to evolve and change? And LeBron's going to have to, for him to leave Cleveland, he's going to have to see something out there that really draws him to it. Like where he's, boy, I really want to be a part of that. He did have that with Miami. Like he wanted, like that made perfect sense to him. So let's, I don't know if that's out there for him. Like there's things that I think you could probably talk yourself into potentially, but is there something that rises to the level that says, Hey, I, I'm going. And so maybe it does, but I just don't think we're there yet. Very reasonable and and professional with that answer. But I (laughs) I, no, but it's, it's true. I just, I just don't like when I talk to somebody who's closed the door on Cleveland entirely. Okay. And I just go, why, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why, why are you already packing them up and putting them out West on what you said? I think is really important because if Paul George and LeBron still end up with LA, let's just put them with the Lakers I don't think they're better than the Warriors. And this Rocket thing is incredible because not only is it those two guys, two top ten players that are maybe, you know, top five when Paul's right and healthy. Uh, you know, and why why, like, why are we just putting them ahead yeah. of him? Because there's not – between Ingram and – look, Kuzma's a great pickup. Hart's been a nice little revelation here. And Ball's going to be a good player. But I don't know that one of those guys is going to be the third superstar. And it's likely that none of them are. Yeah, listen, the Lakers had a – Tremendous draft. They nailed it. Like Unbelievable, man. Listen, I mean, you look at, like, listen, Lonzo Ball, I still think it's going to probably be really good. But hitting it on Kuzma and then Josh Hart, um, I mean, if you redrafted, let me ask you, if you redrafted the league, the draft right now, Kuzma would certainly be in, what, the top five or six? Well, Easily, right? And then Hart, like, Hart I don't know. Way I, up I love the top of this. I mean, the Fultz thing is really weird because we don't know what to do with him. I think Ball's well, going to yeah, be good. Here. I think Tatum yeah. might go one, or maybe Donovan Mitchell goes one. Yeah, but I'm not ready yeah, to write off right. Jonathan Isaac or anything. I, I think he's top ten. Yeah, Isaac's really good, but like, but yeah, Kuzma goes much higher, right? Yes, like he's yes. proven he's a, certainly a lottery pick, right? Yep. And and so they nailed the draft. Now that's that's the beginning of it. That's how you start to bring a team back when you hit when you hit it in the later rounds or you know the late first round or early second, and uh, so uh, the Lakers have done a good job of that, and and now I just think. Like, but, but here's the thing with LeBron is when you go to L.A., you are judged by such a history there, judges you by such a harsh standard. Like, 
not getting to the fight. Like, look at what those guys, look at what DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry have done in Toronto. They've made history there. They've had more success than any players have ever had in Toronto. And they're going to be memorialized in Toronto as all-time greats. Well, if LeBron James goes to the Lakers and has this really the same exact success, it will be viewed very differently because of the history and the context of the Lakers. And so, you know, like those are all things you got to think about. Like when you go, am I really going to be good? At, like, are they going to be good enough to win? Are we going to, are we going to be able to win there? Or is the pressure going to be on me to win? The expectations are for me to win. But the reality is we know he can't do it alone. No one can do it alone. And so I think those are all things you got to think about with the Lakers because they're just so unique um, in the context of the league's history and, and how their fan base views things. And, you know, just getting to like a conference semifinal, while it's a step up from where they've been and people will be excited about it, you, you know, you're not like you're measured on just winning titles there and that's success. And so I just think those are all things you got to factor in when you think it's just going to be awesome there all the time and you're just going to be treated like, you know, you'll have that certainly when you come in the door and it'll be celebrated and it'll be like LeBron walking in the door. There will be a story unlike many others in, in basketball and sports free agency, but then you got to win. And so anyway, like he may end up doing it, but I'm just saying those are all things he's got to look at. And I'm sure he will, because he's, he's really smart about it. I have two more questions for you. Okay. Um, sure. So you can make them as long because we're at 20 minutes now. So I don't want to lie to you. Uh, because of the Kawhi story that you worked on, and Zach was part of that too, right? Yes. Yeah. And it, it always kind of leads to like what I would try to do, you know, if you were running a team, I think part of the, the hope is, okay, do I have, am I armed with stuff for when the next superstar decides that he's had enough in his current situation? I think it'd probably be a stretch for me to maybe say like to go that far with Kawhi's. Mm-hmm. Thing, but what do you think is the next story to pay attention to? Whether it is the the tenuous situation with Kawhi and the Spurs, or is there another name that I'm not thinking about? Would one of the Trailblazers guards get annoyed? You know, Anthony Davis doesn't really seem to have that mentality, but if Kawhi can have it, then anybody can. So I think that's always the thing you're looking at in this league. It's like if I can't get in free agency, if I can't get in the draft, do I have mm-hmm. enough assets to go after the next guy that's mad? Well, and and I agree with what you said, like. I don't, it's not, that's not where it is with Kawhi Leonard right now. It was, there's no question it's been, there were issues there that had to be worked out with the organization that they're trying to work out with him. Right, but not to the point where he wants out of there. Like that would be, that's that's, right. That's That's okay, good. Yeah. But the difference with him is his contract is up sooner than, say, Anthony Davis's. So he can be, if you're the Spurs and something makes you think he would leave, then you just have to address it sooner than, let's say, New Orleans because Anthony Davis has a couple of years on his deal beyond um, Kawhi, then they don't really have to deal with that quite yet. Like him wanting to, let's say he doesn't, he has not asked for trade. He doesn't want to trade Anthony. Want, and I'm just saying this hypothetically, yes. if he did, you'd still be able to say, well, we have him under contract with Kawhi potentially if they, he did and he hasn't. And well, he's like up sooner. So you have to deal with it sooner versus the risk of losing him for nothing. So in that sense, yeah, like maybe it's, but but I don't know, but you're right. Like, and that's why Boston will stay like Boston's in the unique position and they have knocked on the door. Believe me, they have knocked on the door with the Pelicans on Anthony Davis. And they've been told, no, would and you they're say going to keep knocking on the door. So would you call it borderline annoying how many times they've called about Anthony Davis? 
Well, I don't know that. Um, I wouldn't say that, but I know they've. Well, if you're Dell like, Demps, you're probably a new yeah. one. Yeah. 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 And so they're going to probably keep doing that. Do they call uh, about Kawhi? I don't have any information okay. that they've done that. Sorry. So keep going with the Anthony Davis stuff. I apologize. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but like, but New Orleans is going to continue. They want to win. They want to get in the playoffs. They made some moves. I think they'd like to sign DeMarcus Cousins back and hope that the rehab, you know, they, I think they're hopeful that when July 1 comes and they're looking at his progress, that they feel like there's no red flags that would stop them from signing him. And I think Cousins' injury helps, to me, it helps the incumbent. It's easier to re-sign your own guy off a big injury than it is for another team to sign him and bring a guy into a press conference on crutches, right? Like who you're going to have to wait a while on. Yeah, I just think it's easier. And, and, the Pelicans have no like if Anthony if if Cousins leaves, they have no mechanism to go get another really good player, um, and so they have to hopefully rehab him. And hopefully that injury, you know, it's severe for any player. It's a little unprecedented off a player of his size. We, you know, Elton Brand went through it uh, later in his career and didn't didn't recover great. Uh, but he was also later on in his career too in Philly. So. I, I just think they're hopeful, though, that Cousins will come back from it and be really good again. And um, that it maybe – I'm not saying it gives them a leg up on signing him. I think, though, it's. I just think it's easier to justify paying your own guy coming off an injury than it is somebody else, like, going out and, um, you know, giving him a big contract who doesn't have the history with him. And uh, they, they get to be around his medical every day. They get to be around his rehab. They get to see it. Other teams can't. So that all being said, Anthony, Day, like they need to keep surround. You know, and Anthony Davis and I talked about this when I was down there a couple months ago. Like they, he just wants to see them continuing to try to find ways to improve that team, and because he wants to be in the playoffs and he wants to advance in the playoffs. And you know, he said, "Hey, this is the prime of my career. I don't want to be left on the outside looking in at this point." And so. That's good. That's the challenge for the Pelicans and teams like Boston and teams with assets are going to keep probing and looking for, you know, that player who, who becomes available. But, but um, there, there was a run of years where there were, you know, several guys like that. I don't know that we've had one here and, you know, maybe that one doesn't come down the road, but you're right. It is inevitable. And when it is, who are the teams positioned with the assets to go do it? And Boston can put a deal together like nobody else in the league. If Boston wants a guy who's available, it is hard not to do the trade with them. Cleveland found that out. Like, Cleveland wasn't dying to do a deal with Boston. They weren't dying to put Kyrie, keep Kyrie Irving in the East and put him with the team who they just beat or, you know, who, yeah, right. who they were competing with in the conference. They didn't, but for them, that was the best available deal, mainly because of that Brooklyn pick. Okay, last question. Your, you, so your Woj. Mm-hmm. You have um, let me think. How would you how would you make all this this ownership money? I mean, I know you're doing well now, but I'm just trying to think of like that next stratosphere of money. I would have to rob. I would have to rob a casino. No, right? no. Like Ryan, what would, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. You you pitch. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to keep it out of my TV world here right now because that's all I'm thinking about lately. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe maybe you write a self help book for every writer that feels like he's gotten beaten by you. 
on a story. Now, see, now you're going to feel like I'm trying to be a jerk about it. So let me let me forget that. No. All, right, all, right. all right. No, you're too nice. You're too nice. So you, you you wouldn't do that. You make you make not millions, billions. So you buy a team. All okay, right. you buy a team. Mm-hmm. I buy a team. And in buying okay. this team, the team's been a mess. We're not going to name any names. We're not even going to name a franchise. But you can hire any general manager to run your organization. Who is the first person that you would go after? Wow. I'm not answering that. This is what I would do. This is what I would do. I would hire um, I would hire a president with significant success. I'd make him a man I would make him a managing partner. I'd give him part ownership. Motivate so the troops. He's getting paid. Right? So I'd give him like a man I'd give him a managing partner role. Um, so he has an ownership stake. Right, like like similar to like what Riley has. So you're not and even going to name would, a president. You're not even going to give me a name of a president. Well, like like who's the best GM in the league? I'd hire him to do that, and then I'd let him go hire his GM. So somebody who's ready to elevate oh, beyond the day to day GM. But you still want to do give that. Me a name. So now I've got both of them. Yeah, I, I understand I what you're doing. GM, yeah. I would find a GM who's won championships. Yeah, who's ready to maybe move up to that role. And then I'd allow him to hire his GM, his coach, and I would, um, you know, probably sit in a luxury box and and um, act like, you know, act like a big shot. I would guess. you still make know. calls? Would you call other teams if you owned a team? What the break? What, do I? Am I still working at ESPN? No, no, you, you don't I, have to work I, at I all. Cover the NBA and own a team? I guess I can't, right? No, you. you I don't want to give this job up, though. But I, I don't want to give this job up. Yeah, okay. But I, here's I the thing: I like, wouldn't give this job up. I wouldn't give this job up to own an NBA team. Come on, not hundred really? years. N- no way. I love it. There is nothing else I've ever wanted to do in my. I've uh, like this is all I've ever wanted to do in my life. I would never like. There's no other job I wouldn't ever want. Well, I don't want to say ever, but I mean, I, you can't do it forever. Um, and they may not. They're not going to want you forever. But as long as somebody wants me to do this. Like, there's nothing else I'd rather do. You'd rather do this. So I, I mean, you'd rather do this. Yeah. And look, you're no one's. You're awesome at it. Okay. Um, you'd rather do this than own the team. I think it'd be hilarious if you did own a team, and then you had a I meeting would, with your front office. I, no, but think about this. I'm going to give you a scenario. You own the team, right. and it's right before the trade deadline. It's Tuesday, and your front office starts saying, "Hey, well, you know, we think this guy we called, he's not available." And then Woj goes to the whole room. He's like, "He's available." <laughs> Well, like this scenario, there can't be anybody still listening to you talking to me about this scenario that makes, you know, but I would not. Listen, I love what I do. I've never aspired to do anything else. And here's the other thing. I don't think, I know there's people who think they could be a GM or they think they could be an owner. I'm not one of those people who think I can barely do my job well enough, right? Like, I don't think I could do somebody else's job in another profession. And I do know that, like, um, like, I don't think I could. I, you know, I'm lucky I was able to do this because, like, otherwise, I don't know what I would do for a living. Um, so, what do you think I'm you would do if you didn't do this? Okay, if it didn't work out, what do you think you'd do? I'd, I'd, um, I, I shudder to think. Like, I'm not qualified really to do anything else. Um, <laughs> yeah, but these so, are people skills that you've developed. I think that that's uh, it's actually a very rare asset to have. I, I don't know. I won't name the name, but see, I don't know because I don't want you to get mad at me. But you did something when I first got to know you 
that I couldn't believe. And it taught me a lot about you and why you're so successful. So you can cut me off at some point if you don't like me sharing this, but I think it's really important that people hear it. But at the time, it was somebody that was scheduled to be a guest with you. And you told the person, don't come on now because it's not going to be good for you. And I thought, that's why everybody in the front office, like that's why you're so great at your job. Because you weren't thinking about the guest and how great it'd be for you. You were thinking about that person and how they would look if they had had come on and talked. And I, again, I hope you're not going to uh, get upset. With, but I, I just no, no, no. You know, I, I know I, what you're saying. I think I think, I think it was it's more really of an important. idea of yeah, things I, aren't going really well for you. You're going to look like you're self promoting. Why don't you wait and do it another time? I felt yeah. And you can text me after if you're mad at me for sharing that. But I really wanted people to hear that because <laughs> I was I sat. You know, I've been doing this 15 years. And I would have thought of the radio show going, yeah, we need to have him on. We got to have him on as a guest. And I walked away from that. And I thought about it as I drove home and I went, that's kind of a different level. And that's why, uh, you know, you, you have the information that you have because you were thinking about him more than you were thinking about what you needed done that day. You were like the long, wow. it was smart. And it, it makes me think about what I've been doing. Cause you know, I try to bug that. Well, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice of you to say. I appreciate it, Ryan. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, back to like. Well, yeah, you don't want to name ownership. a GM. I, I had the whole thing tagged. It was going to say, Woj tells us who he would start his team with to name a GM. Nah, and you're right. No, you're, no, that's no, another no. reason why you're good at your job because you wouldn't name a guy. I would have picked <laughs> Bob Myers. <laughs> no, listen, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't be wrong. Listen, I think like, I would say this. There's probably, I would say there's probably six or seven guys that I wouldn't let, that I, like I could, I would feel comfortable naming and say, like I could sleep at night. Like, and I, I, was, I think, I think that in general, the league's never been better with how many really, really good executives there are and really, really good coaches. I think there's there used to be a time where people just saw we can get over on that team or that guy or whatever, and like it still sort of exists a little bit. But for the most part, I think like the overwhelming number of guys are really good. And many are just in situations with bad ownership, um, impatient owners, markets that are difficult. But there's so many guys. I think it's hard to – and I think that's kind of why it's harder to do deals sometimes because, like, you, you've seen fewer trades. I think there's a paralysis of, like, there's – you know, no one wants to be perceived, certainly, that they got beat on a deal or, or, or that they – um, that they're getting taken or that uh, I, I just think that there's so much respect for the guys doing it all in all. But, but like, if you were talking about like, Hey, let's go out and hire that there's a, there's several who are elite and better, but I think like there's, you know, you could make the case for, like I said, six, seven that are like, you know, like, you know, better than the rest, but I'm not going to name them. That's in my view. Cause somebody else might have a whole different list. Uh, I think I think we could figure it out. I think you and I, if we were off the air, we would. If we said, mm-hmm. "Okay, you're going to give me your top six or seven guys," I I doubt we'd have more than two that were different. I'd I'd be shocked. Yeah, probably. You know, again, I do not. I've been lucky enough just because I started going to the Portsmouth Invitational in 2003, and they were like, "What the hell are you doing here?" <laughs> and you know, I've it's a great event. I I used to it was the best. Used to really enjoy going went. there, and nobody went, and you would see. I would always make a point to not um, to not tweet or let anybody know that I was there. I didn't want to alert anyone else that they should come. And, you know, uh, 
It was the best. You could just walk around, yeah. you know, like because if they didn't yeah. recognize you, you'd be in a high school gym. It's a small town, yeah. Portsmouth, Virginia. It's this oh, old Navy town, which like what, honestly, what it's, happened and you know, it's an is awesome. Is it a Navy event, town? What, I forget. Started, uh, it, yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. And but what like happened half the stores was, are that closed. was the yeah, yeah. Portland, the the um the Nike Summit started to go up against a lot, which was the international summit where most of the GMs felt like they needed to be at that because there were more. Well, they're all NBA players there. Yeah. Right. There'd NBA, be 16 yeah. Portsmouth. Portsmouth there'd be like, it was more right. like a Sisson GM and, um, and there'd always be a few GMs, but the number two guy or the number three guy, which, which you're always building, which you have relationships with too, of course. So, but the, but the Portland event has become, I've now started to go toward that week because I find, that one has maybe more value. And I haven't done, because it's been lined up against Portsmouth, I think the last couple of years, I've done less of it. And, but I, I do miss, I think I don't, I didn't go last year and I, I miss it, but I think it was a couple of years. You couldn't do both. And I had to choose one. Yeah. Portsmouth would be if it's 60 players, you'd be lucky if three were drafted in the second round. Okay. And no one went to it except for the locals. And it's in this high school gym. And I would go to it all the time because Chad Ford at the time was like, Hey, you should go, go check out Portsmouth. Like if you're into this, and you want to meet guys, mm-hmm. go to Portsmouth, and they'll actually be impressed you're even there. And you're just kind of mm-hmm. sitting around. You're hoping to make contact. You know, I think I sat – I forget. I mean, you got to remember me. Like 2003, I, like, sat down next to, I think, Joe Dumars, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, you don't get to just sit next to me and ask me. And be like, hey, what do you think about – you know, and I just didn't know any better. So I would do it, and some guys would talk to you, and some guys wouldn't, and that's fine. And But for those to understand it, the, the, the thing – and you can correct me here because it's, it's really funny – so it's all these players. Almost none of them, or almost all of them, aren't going to play in the NBA. You hope to find a guy here or there, okay? And and there could be a couple mm-hmm. of dudes. And it's it's all older college guys. Um, and the teams would be sponsored by local businesses in Portsmouth, Virginia. Yes, and yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd be like Bob's dot, like you know, be playing like you know Ted's lawnmowers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lawnmowers and Joe's Joe's you know used Dodge Ford. Durango's or whatever. And it was great. That would be the names of the teams. That's exactly right. Okay. So then I had heard that the guys who were the sponsors of the teams would get together at like a local country club deal, a golf course thing, and they'd start playing cards and drinking, and then they would draft the teams. And one year, (laughs) one guy drafted like five centers, and then they gave the list. (laughs) I think it was Ryan Blake from the NBA. Um you know, whose who's father's legendary, right, Marty? And yes. it was, they got the list back in the NBA front office guys. Were like, who put these teams together? And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if this story's true or not. It was something I was told. I don't where, either. I never heard that one. And yeah. it was one year yeah. that the guys, the local businesses, they did a draft. They cut up all the teams. They had all the teams. And then when they gave the list of the actual rosters to the NBA front office guys, they started freaking out going, why did this one guy have five centers on his team? And they're like, well, no, whatever. And then the NBA fixed it and they switched it all around. So anyway, that's our Portsmouth story. But um, I, t- yeah. I kept you longer, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, no, but- listen, I miss I miss talking to you. I miss uh, seeing you around uh, every day. But I know you're I know you're doing great, and uh, we'll uh, I know we'll talk again soon, right? Yeah, absolutely. Please uh, come on again as, as whenever you want, man. Thanks, Woj. Okay, talk to you soon. That was tough. I had that whole thing mapped out. I imagine the the tweet. Woj tells us who he would start his franchise with as GM. Can't say though. He can't. He can't tell. He can't say who the best GM is. I don't think so. Because what if like just out just spitballing. What if he says it's it's 
I don't know. You're right, Steve Buford. You're right, by the way. And then right. Bob Myers is like, all right, cool. I'm not. I'm not giving you any more. Who would you pick? Um, with his aunt. Does, Who does Ainge count? Who does Ainge count? I thought you said James. Oh no, <laughs> does LeBron count? Yeah, I'll take LeBron. Yeah, Ainge counts. It's hard not to take Danny Ainge, although I just feel like wow. I know that you I take him like, over Bob Myers. See now the thing with the RC yeah, Buford like deal, I, you have to diss somebody, and I don't want to diss Bob Myers to, be, to to take Danny Ainge. You okay, know? all right. So if we all agree that like Buford, if somebody took Buford first, you go okay. And if somebody took Ainge first, although it's funny to think what that would be right before the Kyrie trade and before we get to see Tatum play. By the way, did you read that Fultz article out of Philly? The thing was so I mean, long, but it was good. Colangelo said that his his range was the paint. Yeah, but did you read the thing that was out today? No. Uh, a guy who did like six months on this story. If I could summarize the whole thing, it's like nobody really knows, but I think everybody's really mad at Colangelo and Philly, but what are you supposed to do if you're Philly and your number one pick has a mental block and now he can't shoot? And at first you said, hey, it's an injury, which teams are misleading well, about injuries. And maybe it was slightly an injury, but whatever it is, it's clearly in Fultz's head, which is the scariest thing ever. But then what are you supposed to do? Admonish the kid publicly or continue to be vague and mislead the public to protect the psyche of your player? So I'm not going to really, after I read that whole thing, I felt like there's still a lean of like, what the hell's wrong with the Sixers? And I'm sure there could have been things they did differently, but the grand scheme of thing for Philadelphia is, yeah, make fun of us as a franchise, but we're not going to, we, like, what do you want us to do? We're freaked out too. I'm not going to knock faults or anything, but I think you can criticize them for making that trade when it it didn't seem like I know I know leading up to it was like oh Fultz is the, the number one pick in that draft, but I don't think it was that obvious to to people that were yeah, around. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like most people it was consensus on that one. Um, you know, which is not 100. percent But I don't know. It's consensus. I know it's not 100. percent I, I, I think you could knock them for doing consensus. that. I mean, that that was a. It, it, by all means, it was a deep draft. They wanted a point guard, I guess, and they were sitting at three. But but see, this is the thing I did with Simmons, and I go, I know everybody's going to say that I'm doing this as, as revisionist history. Will you please back me up on this? I didn't understand why Tatum wasn't at least in the conversation. Yeah, you were. Before, yeah, you like, were months Tatum. before, I was like, yep. if you want to take Fultz one, fine. If you want to tell me he's one, fine. But it shouldn't be a Fultz tier and then, and then everybody else. Like, I, I just thought there were the four or five guys that were all kind of close. Yep. And there were other GMs that did like, I did talk to a couple guys that said, you know, we're not in it, but, and then one lottery team that ended up not even being up that high, but they were like, we would take ball over Fultz. Or no, no, excuse me. Let me correct myself. So we like ball, ball more, but if, you know, you ended up with one and we ended up with two, we'd be happy you taking Fultz and us getting ball. So, um, Maury, I actually think Daryl is at least deserving of a, of a recognition in this whole thing. He makes something out of nothing more than anybody. And then he can reinvent him. Totally. I mean, Dude, he and the thing is, so many people around the league were like, "Huh, Daryl Morey? Are you kidding me?" They were almost like rooting for him to fail. I feel like and, he constantly like throws scraps and gets assets. Yeah. The other thing is that he always pisses everybody off because there's a lot of deals that he throws out there that are terrible. Fair. And the other thing that Woj was just saying about the trade stuff that's actually pretty funny is that when I'll talk to teams, I go, "Well, why don't you just make that trade?" Or you know, whatever. Like, hey, you know, we're just on the phone. Be like, why couldn't you just do that trade? And it, you get the sense now, too, it's like if people don't kill the other team, they don't even want to do it. So if there's anything debatable on a TV show the next day, and I'm not saying the great GMs do that, because if you're going to be great at this, who cares? You can't listen to the noise. If it goes wrong, you're going to get fired anyway. So That's like Woj said. He did. Guys don't want to get fleeced. They don't want to seem yeah, like fleeced, they got beat. But, but now, like, even. But, hey, that's, here, but that's the point. You want to make sure that you're you're really the clear winner in this trade. Yeah, that's, trade. that's what I mean. It's It's – Frustrating. Um, we could go through this whole thing. Masai would be brought up at times. Um, there's, 
I, he's not in that tier with those guys. I'm sorry. He just isn't. He isn't. And as I've said all the time, it's it's the hardest. It's so much harder to be an NBA GM. And whenever anybody argues, it's like, oh, you just hate the NBA. Like, how about this? How about this little project? Like the NFL the most, hate the NBA the most, and still recognize that being an NFL GM is a lot easier than being an NBA GM. Well, it's just math. There's less just, guys. Yeah, right. It's just... You can overhaul things. You can bring in a coach. You can have a system. You can find ways to do it. Now, I understand without a quarterback, but the thing is, is there's more quarterbacks that you can probably win week to week with than superstars that are available that completely change the course of your franchise in the NBA. Because I think the number of quarterbacks is, you know, five or six special guys and then another group of like 10 or 11. You're like, okay, I'm pretty happy I have this guy. In the NBA, I think once you get past six guys in the league, my rule of six there. Yeah, like is is. Presti a great GM? There's a lot of people uh, early on that would be like, he's he's the best. And for whatever he's, reason... He's good, but I don't know. I think a lot of people would be like, oh, he just drafted, there's a lot of people just drafted that, Westbrook and Durant. And yeah, Harden. but he also drafted Harden. Yeah. You know, the, the Durant thing was, was easy. Ibaka late. The Westbrook thing wasn't easy. Ibaka was a terrific pick at the time they made it. Adams, you know, that was smart, but... I don't like the way they did the Harden thing. You know, what's he going to do when Durant leaves? Thing is, imagine if he has Durant leave and then Paul George leave in back-to-back years. Well, it would be twice in three off seasons if we want to be really correct here. Okay, Garoppolo takes. Okay, real quick. So five years, one thirty-seven, right? Five years, one thirty-seven. I'm going to double-check my math here on this. So one thirty-seven and a half. I believe. yeah, one thirty-seven and a half. Right. So. One, three, seven, and then, so we're talking $27.5 million a year. 60-plus in the first two, 90 in the first three. So you go, well, a little relief later on unless they want to rework the whole thing. I am totally with you, and Burt Breer had some good stuff on Sports Illustrated that I want to reference here, that I know he went 5-0, and but God, that seems insane. And why you wouldn't franchise him, make sure it's for real, and then revisit this thing later. And then you can do this deal after the fact if you want to. I mean, you really have to make him the highest paid quarterback. And if you're going to make it the highest average annual salary, could you have could you have hooked yourself up somewhere else in the deal? But then I hear this. And this is the thing that always scares me. Okay, What's my rule about NBA legacy players? The sooner you have to mention his uh, Olympic gold, the weaker your argument is. So when I say, hey, Chris Bosh, Hall of Famer, and the second thing you tell me is that he was an Olympic gold medalist, I go, well, then that's that's bad. It's kind of like quarterbacks coming out of the NFL draft, where the sooner you have to tell me that there's just these unquantifiable things and that he just won a ton of games, the weaker that guy is as a quarterback prospect. So when I think about Garoppolo's contract, and I'm not sitting here outraged about the whole thing. I haven't done a screen grab side-by-side of his first games versus Kaepernick's last games, which I think is a little unfair and misleading, although I am praying that Manziel doesn't get his shot before Kaepernick does, although the counter-argument to that will be, well, Kaepernick sued the league and Manziel didn't, but I'm telling you, like that thing, get ready for that talk show. Get ready for that first take. Might quit my job. Yeah, if Manziel <laughs> gets a roster spot and Kaepernick still doesn't have one, but I know, I, like I know what, if I were on first take, Will Kane would say, well, one guy sued the league. Okay, Kaepernick, I haven't been the biggest Kaepernick guy, but he still should have had a roster spot at some point, okay? Um... So the whole point that I'm I'm dragging out here, and I'm going to let you go here as, as I play this off and smash the microphone one more time in my hand. 
Don't tell me that the Garoppolo deal is smart because that convinces free agents now to come to San Francisco. That tells me that you kind of realize the contract's high. I don't want to call it ridiculous, but it's a, it's a lot for a, for a handful of games. I just look at it like he won't be the highest paid player in the league, maybe even by the end of this offseason. And that contract in like three years could end up looking really great. It's super front-loaded. Um, yeah, but that's and not... And they're probably not winning anything right away. Yeah, but that's not fair because it's super front-loaded and the fourth year was worth it because the average annual salary goes down. Like, I no, mean, he's, he's just he's still at $30 million a year for the first three years of a yep. guy that's never played a full season. Yep, it's 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 super high, but it's one of those things where they haven't had a guy in a while and are, are you going to play games with this guy? Are you going to play is, games with them? Is franchising them playing a game? I think so. I think it is playing games. Then, yeah, but then you have then, to control next like, year. Oh, cool, they don't believe in me. Oh, come on. So pay know. me, the, you know, good job by Don Yee. It all worked out for him. Don Yee in the news. Um, Ron Borges and I went to the same high school. <laughs> okay, in the news is such a great way to describe <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, it was in the news. Ron Borges, who, who wrote the piece, um, who Don Yee was not a source of. Uh, I don't want to beat up on Borges because he was always really great to me in Boston, but I understand all my Pat's friends that don't like Borges. But Borges, Martha's Vineyard Regional High School guy. He was on the football team, too. So, you know, that's that's family right there. La Familia. I haven't talked to him forever, but he was always really nice to me. But that was that was that was a tough one. I think I would Let me ask you this, would you rather have Kirk Cousins at that price or Garoppolo? Uh you know, that's the Cousins thing's now going to be dictated a little bit more by the market. Although, you know, Washington's screwing around with this. Well, maybe we just, you know, franchise him again and then see what no we can way trade. I, well, look, I mean, they threw it out there. Who knows? That stuff's always kind of funny because then everybody will do the leverage leverage like why wouldn't you do it leverage be like well are you really going to do it though or does the rest of the league go okay fine have two quarterbacks at 50 million bucks enjoy uh i i just i felt like the garoppolo thing here's the deal you know where nfl free agents are going to go where they pay them the most money and if it's an older guy then he might take a little bit less to go win a ring and if he's an older guy that doesn't care about the ring and he goes to san francisco it's probably going to be because they paid him the most money. And it's not going to be him saying, you know what, I took a little bit less because I like what they're doing here. And they committed to Jimmy Garoppolo. And it shows me this team is finally aligned the yeah, right way and they have a future. Like, I don't, I hate that crap. I hate it. Yeah. yeah, it's the same thing with the Miami Heat. When we had Heat Radio here, 17 hours a day. It was fun. It, I, it, I love all the guys, but I kind of hated it too. Because every one of them were just like, everything was Heat, Heat, Heat. And then the woe is me Miami fan. And what I would hear about the Heat, like, yeah, you know what they like to do? They like to take care of their veterans. They like to take care of their veterans. It sends a message to the rest of the leagues and, you know, the rest of the players around the league. They go, you know what I'm going to do? I might sign with the Heat because they took care of you, Donis Haslam. And Alonzo Mourning has a job as an ambassador. So, you know, I'm not going to sign where they're offering me more money. I'm not going to sign where I'm in my prime and I can play with another superstar. I'm going to sign with the Heat because Pat Riley has a boat. It's huge, you know, huge boat, and the owners in the tourism business. He it's shipping containers. Uh that's what I'm, Udonis Haslam contract. I've never forgotten it. That's I told my wife, I'm going to go where they take care of people. The Heat, and nobody goes there now. And they gave all their money to Hassan Whiteside and Tyler Johnson. Um, but they did get Wade back, and I cannot wait to see what the Wade contract ends up being. Because my guess here right now. Breaking news is it's going to be a little above market. Whatever the last year of Wade's deal is, you're going to go, huh? You know why? Because the Heat know how to treat their own.
They didn't do it the first time, but they'll do it the second time. No, when you opted out, we gave all that money to Hassan Whiteside. But we know how to take. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you a job as a greeter when you're fifty. Ripping ticket stuffs. Because <laughs> here, here with the heat, it's family. 